You are listening to a podcast from Vineyard Church of Augusta. For more information, visit vineyardaugusta.org. As I said, we're going to talk more about prayer this week, and as we're continuing our series, Fresh Reformation, and, and that's really what this is about uh, as we wrap up chapter three of Paul's letter uh, to the, uh, the church at Ephesus. Uh, there's a lot going on here this morning. There's a lot happening, and I'm excited about sharing it with you this morning. Um, we are focusing on God's grace uh, and what he desires to do both in us as a church, but also in us individually. Uh, we are looking at the end of chapter 3, verses 14 through 21, and it's another prayer. Already we've seen uh, Paul writing prayers to the church at Ephesus. And as I've meditated on this passage now for several weeks, uh, I've been asking myself a question that I wanna ask you this morning. I wanna ask us as a church family. And the question is this, it's sort of a rhetorical question, but what if the scale of our prayers, the scale of our prayers is directly proportional to our ongoing understanding and experience of God's love for us? Those mathematicians and engineers among us see that sort of as an equation. What if the scale of our prayers, how big our prayers are, how ambitious our prayers are, how grandiose, how exciting, how, how just scary, audacious. What if the scale of our prayers is directly proportional to how much we are understanding and experiencing of God's love for each one of us. I, I, I believe that they go hand in hand. And as we look at Paul's prayer, the, the text that he's ending chapter three of Ephesians in, I think we're gonna see that borne out. Uh, as we've mentioned each week, as we've presented this series, the, uh, Ephesians is very, very much a, a simple structure. The first three chapters are all about our position, the, the beliefs that we have as followers of Jesus, and as we're going to begin next week as we enter into chapter 4 through 6, we're going to see as a result of our beliefs how these things are to be lived out in terms of our practices and our behaviors as followers of Jesus. But this morning, I want us to look at this prayer that Paul gives us this morning, a prayer for power and that might seem a little scary, a prayer for power, because we have different ideas about power. We'll talk about that some this morning. But I want to talk about Paul's prayer for power that is very, very much rooted in love. I'm reading from Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 21, if you want to read along with me. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. And I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, 
To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. Let's, uh, let's continue in prayer this morning. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your presence with us. We thank you that you help us pray. And we ask that you would do that this morning. Open our eyes and our hearts to really take a look at our, our prayers and, and how they are connected with our knowledge and our experience of your love for us. Lord, we thank you that you want us to know the fullness of your love. So Holy Spirit, come and do that with those in this room and those who are joining us on Facebook Live and those who will be listening to this message later. Come, Holy Spirit, and do that. Open our hearts and our minds and our, our whole beings to the fullness and the radiance and the grandeur, the lavishness of your love. We welcome you here to do just that this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. This is Paul's second prayer in this letter that he's writing from prison, and it's a prayer for the Holy Spirit to come and fill every believer, uh, which is essential for this thing of fresh reformation that we've been talking about. If the Holy Spirit doesn't do this work in each one of us and also in the church, it's not going to get, it's not going to happen. And so we need, we are desperate for, we require the work of the Holy Spirit to make this happen. Much of Ephesians is a prayer and continually throughout the book as you read this, and I hope you are reading along with us, whether for your devotional life, I know we've got a small group that's following along with this series in small group. I, I, you will see that Paul is continually praising God. He's praying and he's doing, uh, praying for the church. And, and one of the powerful dynamics of the prayers of Ephesians is that it is, it is prayer, but it's rich in doctrine. It's rich in theology. And I would propose that actually the soundest theology, the soundest doctrine that we could ever come up with is cultivated in a life of prayer that is rooted in God's word. You take uh, theology apart from prayer, I, don't, I wouldn't give you 10 cents for it. Uh, but this is what we see in the life of Paul, and this is what we see in the writings of Paul and the ministry that Paul had. Uh, it was because it was rooted in prayer. It was rooted in prayer and the truth of God's word, and it cultivated this, uh, this wonderful, rich, practical theology that he's calling us to. Uh, that's one of the reasons I love praying the prayers of Scripture. I love praying directly from Psalms, uh, our, our prayer book. If you're ever like, I don't know what to pray, take your Bible, open it right up in the middle. You're going to probably land in Psalms. You've got 150 prayers that you can pray. That's why they're there. Take them, use them, pray them. Um, the prayers of Jesus. I mean, he is our ultimate example in everything, including prayer. And so we can pray the prayers of Jesus that we find in the Gospels. And I encourage you. Pray the prayers that we find from the Apostle Paul uh, in his letters. Pray the prayer that we just read. I would encourage you, pray that for Vineyard Church of Augusta. Pray that for the people in your small group, the people that you're serving with on ministry teams. Pray that for me as your pastor. I would highly encourage you uh, to pray that. Uh, pray that. Pray for power. Pray for power. That's what Paul is, is praying for. He's like, I want you to know power. I want you to experience power, power rooted in God's love. 
And the power God desires for us to live in is firmly established in his love for us, which was fully expressed through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Let me ask you this this morning. When I talk about the word power, what do you think of? When you think of the word power, what do you think of? When I say the word power, how does it make you feel? I mean, today is the anniversary of the horrible attack on our country uh, 21 years ago. And we saw in that day, and I remember exactly, I was in this building, we were getting ready for a staff meeting on that Tuesday morning. And I just remembered you know, hearing and then seeing, we turned the TVs on and we started watching what was happening. And the horrible misuse and abuse of power that happened uh, that day that marked our country and our world. And so we're all very, very familiar with power. It's misuse, it's abuse. Um, and I want to remind you, though, as we read what Paul is praying for us, make sure that we realize that God created and gave power, okay? God created and gave power. He, he gave power and authority and dominion to Adam and Eve right in the outset of creation. And of course, sin entered the picture and, and sin, as it does with every blessing of God, it perverted and it deformed the good thing that God had given. But throughout human history, we have seen uh, power abused. We've seen it abdicated. We've seen all kinds of expressions of misuse of power. But God's kingdom is about taking everything that has been deformed and reforming it and transforming it. And that includes power. And so when we read this passage, understand that God wants his church to be powerful. And that is not something for us to shy away from or to be fearful of. But as we, in humility and in total surrender and submission to the Holy Spirit and the purposes of the kingdom of God, that we go forth not in domineering and manipulative ways, we go in the way that Jesus perfectly modeled power for us to love and to serve the king of kings who came. Uh, he didn't come to be served, but he came to serve and to give his life uh, as a ransom for many. And, and, and God, make us mighty in your power should be our prayer, but it also should be, God, do this for your honor and for your glory alone. I, I, I love uh, this quote from a New Testament scholar, N.T. Wright, from his book, Broken Signpost. He says this, humans are made to exercise power, but true human power was always intended to be exercised through self-giving love. And that's the model of Jesus who we follow. That's his model. That's the model that we are called to follow. And that's why Paul prayed that Jesus' church would be strengthened uh, with power through his spirit in our inner being, that we would be rooted and established in love, that this this uh, power would not just be this renegade thing that would be unattached, but it would be rooted in the love that God has for us, the love that he expressed through Jesus, that we would have power to grasp first and foremost how wide and long and high and deep is Jesus' love for us. 
and a life of extraordinary power, it is found, as we see uh, in the life of Jesus and also in the life of Paul, uh, we, it's found in ongoing rhythms of worship and prayer and prayer and worship and worship and prayer and prayer and worship. And as I've said before, Jesus modeled this perfectly for us. And Paul and the other apostles followed Jesus' model, and we follow theirs. And uh, so I would ask you, Vineyard Church of Augusta, how's your prayer life? How's our prayer life? Corporately, um, I'm excited about a lot of really good things that are happening here. I'm, I'm excited um, you know, Robin mentioned our Compassion House. That's been an exercise of prayer for us for about two years. And we've been praying and we maybe saw some opportunities that didn't come to bear, but we continued to pray. We didn't give up. And God did. He, he, he offered this incredible opportunity for us that we were able to take advantage of. Uh, too many in the church, too many, particularly in the Western church, think it's like, well, if nothing else, at least I can pray. If nothing else, we need to remember and really firmly believe that nothing of any eternal consequence happens apart from prayer. And we need to start living like we really believe that. Because way too often it's about, well, I got to do, I got I to I gotta get things going, I got to do, do, do. And I'm all for uh, understanding the call of James that faith without works is dead. But... It's not an either-or proposition, my friends. It is not an either-or proposition. It is a both-and proposition. In fact, our doing is going to be so much more effective and fruitful as we have prepared in prayer, as we have sought the, the heart of God. And I appreciate that about Nick and, and Shelby, the prayer that's gone into their church plan. This has not just been a, a flippant exercise of, okay, where's a good place for us to go? Uh, there. No. It's been seeking God and praying and following his leading. And, and that's not going to stop when they move to Charlotte. Uh, a whole new season is going to begin of prayer and, and looking for what God's doing and joining with what he's doing in that neighborhood. And that's what a life of prayer is all about. Uh, I want us, I want this place very much to be called and to be, not just called, but to truly be a house of prayer. And I'm so thankful for our team that meets every Sunday morning faithfully. Some weeks there's only a few people there and some days there's a full house over next door in the cafe in terms of the, the sofa area, praying for the needs of this church, praying for our community, uh, they meet there every Sunday morning at 9 a.m. I'm thankful for our contemplative prayer opportunity. It's going to be this afternoon that happens every month. Today it's happening at 5 right here in the worship center. For our nights of worship where we can just spend extra time worshiping God and spending time in his presence. Prayer and worship experiences, they are great. And we need them both corporately, but we also need them individually, privately, personally. Uh, that need to happen. Um, and and I, I want to encourage you to look for that. I'll talk more about that in just a second. Uh, what happens in our worship and prayer? When we worship, we welcome the manifest presence of God. We spent the whole month of June talking about uh, big ideas on worship. And that was one of our big ideas that our worship of God welcomes that tangible expression of God. Who is? Yeah, he's everywhere. He's omnipresent. 
But it's like, Lord, we, we are intentionally giving space, making space. We're welcoming you. We want you to invade our lives. So we worship you and we welcome your presence. God's abiding presence, presence is really what enables us to be established in his love and to be built up as secure, unmovable beings. And that's what Paul is, is praying for the church at Ephesus. And that's what I pray for you. And that's what I pray for myself because storms come, winds blow, spiritually speaking, and we can really get shaken, can't we? I mean, our world is being shaken right now. So how do we, how can we be firmly established? How can we be secure? I remember several years ago, I was going through a really rough time personally and I, one Sunday morning, I just remembered, I, it was after, I think most everybody had left, and I just really sensed, you know what, I need to pull a few folks over to pray for me, and I, and I, I did, I had them come over and, and, and pray for me, and it was just a really wonderful physical sense of God's presence. And I remember this, and I still sense it from time to time as a wonderful reminder. It was like I'm standing there, people are praying for me, and I feel like I am being encased in a concrete pillar. And the sense was just God's physically solidifying me to be able to stand against the storms that were around us. The storms really didn't stop. But there was just this sense, and I felt God giving me that sense both in my physical being and my spiritual being that I got you. I'm, I'm, I'm supporting you. I am, I'm going to keep you upright. And I still have those times when the Lord just still reminds me of that physical sensation of, of like being encapsulated with concrete, like, a, like a, a, a pier at the ocean, like you're not going anywhere. I don't care how much the waves crash against you and the storms come. I am just so thankful for those kinds of experiences uh, in God. Listen, uh, listen to Paul's prayer that we would be strengthened with power through his spirit in our inner being, that Christ would dwell, not just visit occasionally, but actually take up residence uh, in our hearts, that we would be rooted and established in love, that we would know how wide, how long, how high, how deep is Jesus' love for us. This is our security. This is what establishes us and roots us. And so like Paul, I pray that each one of us would, would have that experience of the fullness of God. I mean, like you, like you got a, a glass and you're pouring it. You're pouring it right to the brim that there would be uh, absolutely no capacity that you'd be fully, fully just filled up, no vacancy for any expression of the kingdom of darkness or the kingdom of, of this world, the kingdom of Satan, to in any way enter your life or try to take up residency in you, that we would be filled with the love of God. And I want to say this, if you don't personally know the love of God for your life today, you can know it, you can experience it. This is not something that God wants to keep at a distance from you. This is not something that is a hidden uh, gem for just special people. It is for every single one of us. And God's word's really clear about his gift of salvation being for all of us, but it's a gift that has to be received. 
It's a gift that, that he invites us all to receive through Jesus Christ. So this morning, even, even now as I'm, I'm finishing this message, if that's something that you want to do, you can just right where you're sitting to say, God, I, I need your love. I, need, I want to live in the fullness of your love. And it's like, I need your love, God. I need your love. I, I'm, I'm, I'm broken. I'm, I'm sinful. I need your love. I need your forgiveness. I need your grace. I need your mercy. God, come and live in my heart. Come and dwell in my heart, Jesus. Holy Spirit, come and fill me to overflowing with your love, that there would be no capacity, no room for anything other than you. And as you pray that, God will honor your prayer. He will come. He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all our sinfulness and all of our brokenness. And he will do that. Prayer brings together love and power in a God-honoring way, yeah, that blesses us, but it also blesses the world around us. Just imagine this, as we as a church and we as individuals, as we're praying, Lord, uh, that, that old vineyard song, more love, more power, more of you in my life. As we are praying that and looking for opportunities to be obedient to what God's wanting to do in terms of, of showing his love and showing his power, whether it's for ministering or serving the poor or praying for the sick or giving a word of encouragement to someone who uh, looks really downtrodden. Whatever it is, God will, he will back our act and he will be honored and the world will be blessed. Uh, our world really needs for us to be the powerful church that Paul is praying for here. He needs us to be the powerful church. And, and it's not about you and me having to make this happen in our own strength. In fact, we need to kill any tendency to be powerful in and of our own strength, apart from the love of God and the power of God and the leading of the Holy Spirit. But we need to be fully engaged, fully engaged, fully committed, fully given to everything that God would have us do and where he would lead us to go and love our world, serve our world, care for our world, minister to our broken world uh, in the name of Jesus, seeing the kingdom of God expanded Again, nothing of any eternal consequence happens apart from prayer. Are we the praying people that God has called us to be? So if we're not, let me just ask you this. We're going to spend some more time on prayer um, actually next year. Um, and we're, I mean, I hope you're praying between now and then. <laughs> just make sure you know that. <laughs> In terms of Emphasis on teaching a lot and focusing a lot on that. And we're going to see more of that happening in the book of Ephesians as well. But in terms of a, of a, of a heavy emphasis, we all have our reasons for maybe why we go through ebbs and flows of prayer. I have mine. Yes, as your pastor. Don't hold that against me. Don't throw that up in my face when, you know, it's like, well, Reese, you admitted that you're not the prayerful person that you always ought to be and, and blame me for something awful that's happened in your life because I didn't pray enough. Don't do that. I've had that happen before, so I'm speaking from experience. Um, but no, it's, I have my reasons for ebbs and flows in my prayer life, as I'm sure you have reasons in yours. Um, I think for a lot of us, it comes down to we have warped understandings and misunderstandings about what prayer is and what prayer isn't. 
Um, I came across a, a book that uh, I read a little bit of, and, and I, I came across some points that I wanted to share with you guys this morning. The book is called When Prayer Becomes Real, rather than when prayer becomes fake, you know, just, uh, but when it com- becomes real, how honesty with God transform your soul, transforms your soul. And it's by uh, Kyle Strobel and John Coe. And I, I just want to hit some of the points that I really liked in this book and uh, check it out. It's in your program uh, notes in terms of the title. But these are some of the points that he brought out that I really, really liked a lot uh, that they brought out. Um, good reminders for all of us. Prayer is not a place to show up and just be good. It's a place to be honest. Can we be honest with God about what's going on in our hearts and lives? If we're not honest with him in our prayer time, I mean, why even bother? He, he is calling us to bring our fears, our doubts, our anger. I mean, have you read the Psalms? Have you read the Psalms that he gives us as a model prayer book? Have you read them? Because you're going to see every emotion under the sun expressed in the Psalms. And he gave us that because he's saying, however you find yourself in whatever emotional state, it is perfect for prayer. It is a perfect atmosphere environment for prayer. So don't pull away when you're angry. Don't pull away when you're depressed. Don't pull away when you're discouraged. And don't pull away when you're on the mountaintop because you don't think you need me. Every season is one that requires prayer. It's a place to show up and to be honest with God about disappointment, about disappointment with God. No matter what you're feeling, he welcomes us. He wants us to come. He has a place at his table that he has set for us to come and to show up. Prayer is not a place to be good. Prayer is not a place to perform. We don't have to show up to perform for God. Now, as an Enneagram 3, that's very freeing for me. That's very freeing that I don't have to show up with the happy face and the eloquent prayers. God's like, Reese, I'm really impressed with your use of words in your prayer. He has never said that and he never will. We don't show up to impress God with our prayers. We show up just to be present to him and his presence. We show up, we're with him. And, and I think also just this whole idea that we need to, to look more at prayer as just being in union with God rather than a transaction with God. My God, if I do this, will you do this? If you do that, then I'll do this. But God, I just want to be with you and I want to be united in your good plans and your good purposes. The prayer is not a place to be right. It's a place to be known. God, I'm, it's safe. you're a safe person for me to be with. You are safe. I can be real with you. I can be who I am with you. My struggles, my warts, my fears, my doubts, my everything. I can come and be in your presence. I can be known. And in being in your presence, I am transformed. I am reformed in the image of Christ. And prayer is not a place to prove your worth. It's a place to receive worth and offer yourself in truth. So I go back to this original question. These are some of the things I would encourage you to maybe look over and see if you're guilty of any of those missed thoughts about prayer. But I want to go back to the original question that I asked this morning. What if the scales of our prayers 
are directly proportional to our understanding and experience of God's love. If the worship team wants to come on up with Roger. Paul wants us to personally experience and live in the fullness of God's love for us. And, and this impact should, uh, this, this knowledge, this experience should powerfully impact our prayer life. I mean, let's face it. If we believe that God loves us and he's for us, are we going to be more inclined to come to him with our needs or less inclined? Well, I'm going to be a heck of a lot more inclined. And I think that's the whole idea of this. Now to him, in verse 20, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. And as we pray for power, let us remember that the God's power is not ours to do with whatever we like. That's has certainly gotten the church in a lot of trouble through the centuries. And that's not the mode that we want to go through. But we recognize that God's power is all about bringing Him honor and glory. So as we go into a time of worship this morning, I want you to just let the Holy Spirit maybe show you, maybe give you some insight about your prayers. Uh, and let, let the love of God fill you to overflowing to the fullness of God. Ask yourself, are my prayers too small? Are they so diminished that I've even stopped praying because, you know, I'm not asking for much of anything anyway. I can make most of these things happen. Are our prayers too small? I go back and Robin mentioned it earlier, the Compassion House. It, it is a concrete example of God doing abundantly and exceedingly more than we could ask or imagine because it was right in our neighborhood. It, it more than any of the 10 or 12 houses that we looked at filled, the, filled every, checked every box in a cheaper price, newer, better quality. I mean, just every way. And it's one of those concrete examples of this. As I was praying this morning, I just feel like the Lord's wanting to remind some of us that some of us have stopped praying for the salvation of people who are really near and dear to us because we've been praying for them for a long time and they haven't responded or maybe we feel like, God, you haven't answered my prayer, so what's the point? And I just want to challenge you this morning that the Holy Spirit is here and He wants to just uh, pump up the volume pump up the scale of our prayers. Not that it would just be something in and our, of our own strength, but our God wants to do incredible things. And let me tell you, look at the world around us. Our world needs to see God doing incredible things. And so let's put the two together. Let's make sure that we are doing what we are called to do as a church, as a place, a house of prayer. Because when we experience greater measure, measures of God's love, we will ask and expect greater things. So let's stand together. And as we worship God this morning, my prayer is that the Holy Spirit would fill you with his love, with his goodness. I remind you that we have communion available to the table and chest, at the table and chest on the left and right of the stage. If you'd like to, during the worship time, go and participate and partake of communion. Uh, there are instructions there that you can make that part of your worship experience this morning.